Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm thrilled to be here this morning with a, a wonderful woman who's actually joining us from Naples, Florida. Lucky her. Um, and uh, Marsha Lynn Eichenauer is CEO and owner of Christ Tech Mobile TV Network. Uh, Marsha has um, actually been involved in many, many things over her career, but um, currently this is something very uh, close to her heart and important that she's working on. Marsha, welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sue. I am just so honored and delighted to be here, and I'm so excited about what you're doing. Um, so I really, truly want to thank you, and I want to thank your producer and the station. Oh, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to have you. We've spoken a, a couple of times before today, and uh, I'm very excited to have you here to share what it is you're working on. It's certainly uh, a very important mission. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited about it. And, um, of course, as you know, I went to Villanova University, and so I truly have a heart for uh, the main line in Philadelphia area, and it was so uh, incredibly instrumental in my uh, life's work. And uh, I, I was very honored and delighted to be connected even to University of Pennsylvania and Physicians for Social Responsibility and uh, Dr. Sandy Bloom, who was uh, one of the very early groundbreaking advocates uh, to address violence in the family. So I, I, I'm just thrilled that we connected, Sue. And, of course, we connected through uh, the Villanova Online Network. We did. We did. And, and as everyone knows, because I mention it often, I am an, um, uh, an alum of Villanova as well. So I'm always happy to have um, Villanova alum on my show. Well, it's just it's, it's amazing how, um, I would say, connected uh, and, and very loyal um, the Villanova Network is. Um, and I can t- give you a case in point. Uh, it was probably one of the most critical times for me in my life and, and certainly in my work. Um, I had been working, living and working in Eastern Europe for about five and a half years, and I came back uh, with a real, uh, I would say, drive and real urgency to address issues over there about the abandonment of children. And just sort of, um, I think it was just very spontaneously, I called Villanova and connected to one of my former professors, uh, professor of sociology, Bernie Gallagher. And he said, oh, Marcia, why don't you come down here and we'll take you to a basketball game? <laughs> <laughs> and I just burst out laughing. And I thought if that wasn't the sweetest and, and kindest remedy he could possibly offer. And I went down and I met with him and he referred me to all different people at the university. And then I reconnected, um, or rather I connected into the Office of Sponsored Research uh, and someone named Dr. Uh, Milton Cole, and I ended up, or actually Villanova ended up sponsoring me, although I only had my bachelor's. I didn't even have a master's or a Ph.D. Uh, they sponsored my work to address violence against women and children um, through a U.S. government RFP, um, and that ended up generating the first U.S. government contract to address the abandonment of children in Russia. So they, they, they essentially did it because they felt that it w- I was doing very good work. And I said to them, you know, you sort of got me into this. You know, these were the values that I learned uh, through my Catholic education and, and truly through Villanova. That's and, right. And they really honored and respected that. And, and Dr. Cole, I remember he said to me, this is one RFP I really want to get out the door and do something about. <laughs> yeah, that's so wonderful. They were, I mean, they were extraordinary. Yeah. So, uh, it just was 
it was a true support for me, um, and it led to a lot of really wonderful things. Yeah. Well, you know what, Marsha, we we have so much to talk about, and, and as I mentioned to you, I'd love to start out with your background a little bit to give people a sense of where you came from and, uh, you know, why you've had these aspirations over the years. So talk a little bit about your growing up years in New York and uh, your, your school years. Sure. Um, well, I think that one of the things that was very instrumental in my life was um, my Catholic education, and... I think it's fairly well known and that Catholic education is very highly regarded. Um, and I, I came to value and appreciate that greatly uh, when I was in Eastern Europe and sort of really out there on the cutting edge. You know, it's, it's sort of what comes to mind are the people that really supported you and how you got in that circumstance to begin with, I would say. And I, really, I realized that the Dominican nuns that I had had when I was a child uh, who were, in a lot of ways, like a very nurturing force in my life, almost like, you know, parental, like mother figures, so to speak, um, I realized that they had literally laid down their lives for my education, that they had sort of given up their own lives for my education. And, and I realized how incredibly significant that was, and that at the time I may not have understood or taken it for granted, but later on I understood that that perhaps was only for a certain period of time, that, that, you know, say women didn't necessarily become nuns anymore, that that perhaps was even just a special time. So that greatly impacted me. And then as I began to think about it, I realized, too, my grandmother had been um, uh, uh, actually orphaned as a child. She was the youngest of nine children, and she was fostered in New York City in the um, Roman Catholic Orphan Asylum. And so my grandmother, who was very, very dear to me, extremely loving, very generous, very kind, had actually grown up in an orphanage. And, and I thought, my goodness, you know, again, that was something that I sort of took for granted. We really didn't discuss it in the family that much. But I came to learn later on that she had broken, she had ties that were broken to, you know, one nun in particular who had raised her was probably like her mother. Uh, and so I, I realized how she had had she had overcome that background, but to become a, an incredibly caring and loving person. And so when I was in Eastern Europe, and, and through my education, you know, my experience was so totally opposite through my, what I would say, very fortunate background in education, I ended up launching a TV station for American ambassadors in Eastern Europe. And, and so what really came to mind were these women uh, especially, who had really, truly, greatly impacted me in terms of how I looked at the world and how I would say I had a compassion that was probably dormant for quite some time, but that, that, that you know, when I dug down deep, I realized that it wasn't a circumstance or situation I could turn my back on. I couldn't, I couldn't in my own, let's say, in my world and in my conscien- consciousness, not address the issues that I saw over there, I would not be able to live with myself. Yeah. Is how I felt. I just thought, I cannot turn my back on this. This is not something that I would be able to walk away from. Yeah. And so that's really where my, I would say my new life or my journey began. Um, I had pri- Prior to that, I had been PR in New York. You know, that sort of helped me segue into doing television. You know, that sort of segue into doing international work you know, launching this TV station, all of this like a very adventurous, glamorous, so to speak, activity. And then I realized that it really didn't mean anything at all to me, ultimately. Yeah, that's so interesting, because actually what 
you know, all of those things that you did along the way um, were actually very much um, what experience for you for what you're doing now because the, the media and the PR and the publicity um, and, and also the computers, uh, the computer work that you learned is very much a part of what you're doing today, although it's, it's charitable work. Well, and, you know, when I thought about it, too, Sue, when you and I connected, uh, what, I, what I was intuiting is that you and I were looking at things the same way. I was thinking, you know, she really understands what I'm doing. Uh, she recognizes the power of the media and how that can be leveraged to address, I'll, I'll call them critical issues. You know, you may perhaps call them social justice issues, but... You know, I thought she really gets this. This is this is not an easy thing to do. Let's say, right. however, it's possible. Right. And so she was in the solutions, as I say. You know, I uh, one of the things that I really felt compelled to do was be in the solutions and not the problems, because the problems were so overwhelming that that I I felt very um, inadequate when a lot of the women that I was speaking to, let's say, that were addressing some of these issues, like human trafficking, for example, they were all in the problem. And I was, I, was just, I was just overwhelmed. And I just thought, you know, I just can't even do that. I don't know how they do that. You know, I don't know how they do that day after day after day after day. They're remarkable people. But I thought, but, you know, I might not be able to do that. However, I can figure out how to use the media. I, I felt that I was in a pivotal position. You know, uh, someone once said to me, you know, you had a very high perch. You know, I just happened to have been in a situation, you know, I, I would say through no fault of my own, you know, it was sort of like this unusual position. And how do I leverage that to be able to use my resources to address these overwhelming issues? Right, exactly. Um, let's talk about what, what you did. In, in um, 1997, you were actually a consultant on a program um, that brought a lot of money into Russia to support orphans, uh, $14 yeah. million. Dollars. Yeah. Um, talk about that program a little bit and, and how that came about. Well, that was really just absolutely remarkable. Um, I, had been, uh, I had been in Eastern Europe. Um, I launched a TV station in uh, Slovakia for former ambassadors Ronald Lauder and Mark Palmer. Uh, it's called TV Marquisa, and you can see that on the web, actually. It's www.marquisa.sk for Slovakia. Um, and so I had launched that station, and at that time um, I, I began to understand, you know, that the infrastructure issue was a very serious one. You know, this whole new sort of uh, capitalist system was coming into the area. However, there was no infrastructure in place like what we're used to in the United States, which was a, which was the result of all the work of not-for-profits. Mm-hmm. So um, very, uh, very miraculously, um, very coincidentally, uh, and actually I think through a lot of prayer and through the prayers of a lot of people, um, I found a document over the Internet uh, very early on, uh, very early on, uh, that described gross human rights abuses occurring at an orphanage uh, north of Moscow in Lubertsy. It was called the Good Friend Orphanage. And it, was, it sort of blew my mind because there was not that much on the Internet at that time anyway. This was in the 90s. And then there certainly was nothing in Russia from Russia. And then there was certainly nothing from Russian orphanages. So um, 
I had already been in communication with uh, some people in Washington, including the Helsinki Commission, uh, which is a special commission uh, for council and uh, – it's called the Council for Security and Cooperation, Congress of the United States, so it's a congressional commission, um, very concerned about, uh, I would say, diplomatic relations. And I had been in touch with them already, and they were aware that I was very concerned about these issues after launching the TV station. And so I flipped the document to them, and they said, do you know who these people are, Marcia? And I said, absolutely not. I don't know who these people are at all. Right, right. And they, they said, these are the leading human rights proponents in Russia. They said, we want you to come into Washington and speak to us about this. Wow. And, wow. I, and I just was, you know, mind blown. And it, it, that document had been put out by um, someone in the Netherlands. His name is Andrew Salen, who was uh, a Christian and a human rights advocate, uh, for the uh, Moscow Research Center for Human Rights and actually the Right of Child NGO. And there were a group of um, human rights advocates in Russia for a very long period of time, uh, but especially this, uh, this one group, the Right of Child NGO, were just remarkable advocates and proponents for human rights for children. And they were, they were so wise and they were so kind and loving, and uh, they were Andrei Sakharov protégés. Um, and they realized that if they advocated for children, that they would have a door open to the West, that there would be some way they could connect into international bodies like the UN, etc. And so, in fact, they did. Uh, and then I found this document, and I ended up representing them. I represented them. Uh, they were my client, and I represented the Right of Child NGO, and I say the children of Russia to the American government. And uh, it was a really wild ride. It was it was just really truly miraculous, and we all knew it was miraculous. It was there would sort of be no way that I would ever have been able to find that find that document on the internet at that time. Right. Um, and then, but then understanding how oh you know we have this tool now called the internet. You know <laughs> you can send me this information, and I can give this to Washington. And uh, Washington, uh, in this Helsinki Commission at that time, too, I had to really say, uh, compel them to use email. I'm like, please use email. <laughs> you know, get on email. Buy it. You'll like it. You, you know? were ahead of, ahead of oh, your time with, the, with technology. It was just, it was amazing. And so, uh, you know, I realized, I very quickly realized that, of course, these countries where human rights and democracy is just, you know, so dear to them, they really understand how to use their resources properly. And yes. they really understand how to use technology, certainly, you know, I would say in advance of us. You know, they, they don't have the resources that we do, um, and so that, you know, that the applications are not necessarily as as far-flung or advanced as ours are necessarily, but, boy, they sure know how to use their resources. Yeah, that's wonderful. That That's a wonderful story. Um, something else, you know, Marcia, There's you're involved in many different things. Certainly um, there's organizations and, and networks and things that you've been involved in as a consultant. Um, one of the things I read about is uh, Tender Mercies. Oh, um, Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, Tender Mercies um, was actually uh, a name I used um, as I was doing that kind of work. I called it Tender Mercies. And largely because a lot of that work, as I've described, was really through prayer. And so, you know, it was, I, I felt like I was working in the dark, Sue. 
and actually I was even thinking about it as I was preparing for this and uh it you know it it, it was so challenging it was it was so dark let's say at that period of time however one of my friends um one of my childhood friends was an artist and she was an uh, a high school art teacher and she one time said to me you know Marcia the best work was done during the dark ages she said, you know, you're not going to see the results of this for a while, but but some of the best work was, was done during the Dark Ages, and then you're going to see the Renaissance. And what's going to come out of that is going to be miraculous. And so what I held on to was that, that God's mercies are new every morning. You know, I might be working in the dark, however, I and I was, depending upon God's mercies. And so I called it tender mercies. And a lot of people were praying for me. Um, when I sent out my emails, I sent out tender mercies. And and a lot of times, uh, you know, I think we all understood, and certainly the people in Russia felt, that that the communications that they were doing could have, in fact, put them in prison. (laughs) And so I wanted to make it very clear that, you know that we were just pure-hearted. You know that, that that we were that we were Christian. That we were Americans that were very concerned about children. We just wanted to use our resources properly to help them, um, and that really worked. Um, and in fact, uh, my partner in Russia, Dr. Alshuler, was Jewish, or rather, his mother was a Jew, um, and so he sort of could wrap around the fact that there would have been a Christian woman who would have been in television, who was very concerned about children and, and say, was interested in helping him. Um, and so that's how we, that's how we operated. And, and, I, and, I, and I was aware that he could have gone to prison uh, to, while doing this uh, because, in fact, the U.S. government became involved uh, and then generated the, this U.S. government contract. And so, in fact, at one point, I said to him, you know, you can't really criticize your government if you don't give them the information. You know, you, you have to get to a point where you are going to hand them this information, which you have co- collected all of your data from your human rights advocates and your the social scientists, so, in fact, their understanding of the problem. And um, and they ultimately did that, which I was very very grateful for, and very um, very delighted with, because ultimately, as things evolved and 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 let's say things began to change, um, in fact, they didn't go to prison, and today they receive funding from the president of Russia to address issues relating to children. Yeah. So it was we we really stretched our necks out. Uh, and in fact, they could have been cut off, but for the grace of God. Yes. So, yes. Um, tender mercies was was in fact our you know say our operating our operating standard operating procedure. Right, and with a great name. Thank you, um, Marsha. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be back in just a moment. Thank you, Sue. Are you looking for a photographer? Would you be interested in one of the best in the business? Look no further. 
Peter Gallo has been photographing people, places, and things in the United States and Europe for over 40 years and loving it. He specializes in the best possible photography given any subject matter. His experience has taken him around the world shooting everything from conservative corporate affairs to personal portraits to fashion and the world of arts. Peter Gallo is a true professional, determined to capture every image in its best possible light and does so with the utmost creativity and dedication. If you need help with any project, contact Peter at 215-592-8024 or email petergallo17 at gmail.com. To hear about this week's specials on corporate portraits and headshots, simply Google Peter Gallo Studio and you will be taken directly to his website. Or again, call 215-592-8024. It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks. And some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the mutual fund store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face-to-face, not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your mutual fund store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the mutual fund store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norriton and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330. Want your home to look great for company from out of town? Moving to a new place? Or just want the satisfaction of a clean, healthy home? Whatever your reason, everybody needs to clean. So why not choose the line of cleaning tools that makes your task easier? Quickie is your one-stop cleaning solution with everything you need to get the job done right. Whether you're cleaning one room or the whole house, Quickie has the right tool for the job. It doesn't matter if you prefer a more traditional mop and bucket or if you'd like to save time with a new Quickie spray mop. Quickie has everything you need to get the job done. Founded in Philadelphia over 60 years ago, Quickie's commitment to quality and value have helped it grow to the number one cleaning tool in America. It's quickie and it's clean. Look for quickie products at Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, ShopRite, and other fine retailers near you. Do you know Saltz Matkov? Would you like a legal team with over 100 years of experience working for you to defend litigation in the areas of business and contract disputes, employment, transportation and aviation, products and premises liability, intellectual property and construction? We are Saltz Matkov and we can help. From Wall Street to Main Street, we represent Fortune 500 companies and small businesses alike, achieving successful results inside and outside of the courtroom. For a free consultation, contact us at 484-318-7225 or visit us on the web at saltsmatkov.com. That's S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-T-K-O-V.com. Large firm expertise for a fraction of the cost and with all of the personal attention you need. Serving Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. Call 484-318-7225 or go to saltsmatkov.com. 
Welcome back, everyone, to Women to Watch here on WWDB. This morning, I am speaking with Marsha Lynn Eichenauer, who is CEO and owner of Christ Tech Mobile TV Network. And we've been speaking with Marsha all about um, some of the work that she's been doing over the years, in addition to her television and uh, public relations and PR work. Marsha has been very, very involved and an advocate for the abuse of children globally. And before our break, Marsha was speaking about a program that she helped uh, to start. And a question came to mind, Marsha, for me. I, I want to know um, how you stay so emotionally strong with all of the things that you see in the work that you do. That's a brilliant question. That's a, You know, and uh, I had to figure out the answer to that question. That was one of the biggest challenges that... I was looking at, um, and I knew that the answer, of course, was God and uh, my faith. And uh, it was very—I I was very intimidated to address uh, the issue, uh, specifically of human trafficking. I was—I was confident uh, in the areas of addressing the abandonment of children, so to speak. I, my heart is—is—is is, is just overflows especially for orphan children, et cetera. And I knew that, that there, I really truly knew that there were resources that I was aware of out there that would be able to manage that, so to speak. But when I got into the area of uh, looking at addressing human trafficking, and because I was asked to, and I really had to, I had to really push through because I was very resistant in that area, um, I knew I just had to really go into much deeper prayer. And um, I wasn't really even that understanding of how to do that, but fortunately, I had always been very active in my church, and I was a Eucharistic minister, I was a lector, etc., and I, I was attending a prayer group, um, and this particular prayer group um, had asked me to attend a, a community group meeting for um, something called the March for Jesus in Naples, and it was a very unusual project, uh, was called an ecumenical project, actually, to bring all people together, all the different churches together, and lift the name of Jesus above all names. And because of my organizational ability uh, and probably my PR background, uh, they sort of elected me to go, and uh, so, in fact, I did. And I, I was in a lot of the other churches talking about this March for Jesus, and I, and I witnessed how they worship. And so I understood that, that there perhaps were a lot of other things that, that – that I could um, avail myself of, um, and a lot of other people prayed for me. I had a lot of people praying for me. You know, I, I came back from Eastern Europe. I, I was I was just so torn up about the some of the things I saw over there. You know, and I I would say I was witnessing just the change. You know, just a real global change. And I would say I saw uh, the direction uh, going in a very very bad way quickly i was perceiving that would there would be much more violence let's say on the grassroots level and that these children women and children especially would be greatly victimized so um anyway i had a lot of people praying for me but one of the things that i really enjoy i've always loved music and so i was just so attracted to the praise and worship music at some of the churches and I absolutely love praise music, and I love contemporary music. And so, I, and I knew that when I was pray, praising God 
some in some of those worship services that that really changed my spirit. I I was all of a sudden very uplifted, and I was like, wow, you know, this is great. And um, and then some of the other churches uh, were very uh, very instrumental in helping me get a better grasp of scripture and the Bible. And so I would turn to scripture a lot. Uh, and they could say, stand on Scripture. You know, I would find Scripture, and I would just stand on it. And it's like, this God says this. I'm going to believe this. I'm going to, you know, really grab this and own this uh, in order for me to press through. And so those things really began to work for me. And uh, another thing that, of course, we all know, I mean, there's nothing as wonderful as being by the beach, and fortunately, uh, my family had been living in Naples. I was primarily uh, orbiting out of the New York area. And uh, so, in fact, it came a time when I came down to Naples, and then there came a time where I decided I was getting up very early in the morning. I was going into prayer. I, I would ride my bike to the beach, and then I would walk the beach, and, and I would really praise God and, um, you know, sort of, Fortunately, at that hour of the morning, you don't see that many people. But, you know, I thought, you know, the louder the better, Marcia. You know, if you start your day like this, this might be a really good thing. Well, and, and someone uh, else might hear you and, and benefit right. from that. Right. Well, and, you know, I'd sort of like look around. Is there anybody behind me? You know, who's and I'd, you know, and I would, the songs that I had learned in the March for Jesus were so beautiful. And they were contemporary songs. And um, I had actually... Um, been involved in that activity even before I launched the TV station, and so I was singing them over in Eastern Europe as well, and and that really really made a huge difference for me. Um, you know, I'm sure when you're in the car and you're listening to the radio, um, if you put on some of the contemporary Christian music, you just go, "Wow, this is so refreshing." And and so just in fact that would would really make a difference for me. Um, and I had come out of media, and so I was very aware of let's say, the negative impact of media, and I'll say on the brain, since that's the area I'm looking at now, yes. uh, you know, I just felt that, that the media could be so distorting and that, in fact, it, it could, could be part of the problem. And so I didn't want I, I to go there. You right. know, I wanted to be in the solutions. That's right. That's that's wonderful. Uh, is that is that something you practice still today, Marsha? Do you take that walk every day on the beach? I mean, and you know, I have to tell you, on a personal note, you will really appreciate this. We had a conversation in prep for our, for our interview today, and we we were saying, you know, yes, prayer is so important, and it really makes a huge difference. And you said, Marsha, pray for me, and I said, I promise, I'm going to be storming heaven for you. <laughs> well, do you know that that we had that conversation? I went out and I. I went to um, an area, a very beautiful area near the beach that I go and I pray. I bring my uh, prayer book with me. So when I came back, there was a rainbow in the sky. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. I love that. And, you know, I, I, and I, I know, I mean, it says in Scripture that that's a very important sign that God will give you that, that let's say, your experience of the past that you're pressing through will never happen again. Yeah. And so God did that um, after the flood. And it, it's something that whenever I see a rainbow, I go, oh, thank you, Lord. That is that is truly a big sign. Right. A reminder of the positive, right? A big sign, yes. Right. Um, you know, another question I have for you, Marcia, that I, I, I think you're probably going to say you've had many in your life, but I wonder if you can talk about any mentors 
um, that you had in your younger years that kind of kept you focused? Well, um, I did mention my grandmother, uh, and she was very instrumental. And then, of course, there were several uh, nuns that I had that that I think uh, really made a difference. But, you know, the one person that, that had a profound impact on me when I was in Eastern Europe was a woman who had been a communist artist. Um, actually, I, I lived in her villa. Her name was Madame Adamseva, and she had literally been the, the artist for the communist propaganda for the laborer. And uh, I lived with her, and I observed her. She was, uh, she, did, she was doing some lino cut when I was living with her. Um, and this was before I had been hired to launch the TV station. And so I was looking for uh, work. After leaving Austria, I had gone through a divorce in Austria. I moved to Prague. And so I was, I was delighted to be there after the collapse of communism. But, of course, the language was a real problem for me. So I was you know, just diligently looking for work. Well, um, I was exhausted one day when I came home, and I said, oh, work, 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 work. And she looked at me, and she said, I know this work, work, work. And she, um, she grabbed my hand, and she pulled me over to her desk where she was working, and she showed me her Bible. And, and she was working with her Bible, which was Czech, out of, and also with her father's Bible that was a Hebrew Bible. So I went running, and I got mine. And the scripture that she was working with was, to the best of my recollection, uh, all of my work glorifies the Lord, or let all of my work glorify the Lord. And I, and I looked at her, and I just went, oh, I wish I could do that. <laughs> and and she, she looked at me, and what her lino cut was were these huge Hebrew letters that said, let all of my work glorify the Lord. And it was done with this black ink on white oak tag, huge, humongous. And I was like, wow. And it was gorgeous. It was just, it was very impactful. And she said, and you're going to come with us when we hang this art, Marcia. And I went, okay. And she and a group of artists together had brought their artwork to this former concentration camp called Tritsin in northern Czech Republic. And uh, so, in fact, uh, that's where they were, um, they were mounting all of their artwork uh, to, to make a statement that, in fact, now all of their work was glorifying to God. And, and I was deeply, deeply impacted by that. It, was, it sort of was a wake-up call for me. Um, I had come from, I would say, a, a very driven work ethic or background, um, you know, having come from, I would say, a middle-class family and uh, Villanova education, et cetera. I went to New York after that. I was in the fashion industry. I was in the PR business. And it, it, it can be consuming. And, uh, in fact, it had been for me. And so I made a lot of wrong choices. Um, a, a lot of choices that I had made really, I would say, got me on a wrong track. And so uh, after my divorce, you know, in a foreign courtroom from an Austrian, uh, when I moved to Prague, you know, God, I would say, put this person in front of me who I just loved. I mean, I just just loved her. I, I thought her artwork was just amazing artwork. Um, and then she really put me on the right path again. She said to me, you're looking for something, aren't you? And I said, yes. And she said, I hope you find it. Oh, that's so nice. Are you still in touch with her today? I'm not in touch with her. Uh, she's passed. 
Um, she okay. was a little bit older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I mean, she was more of my mother's age. Okay. But um, I just. I just thank God for her. Yeah, and she came into your life for a reason, for sure. Oh, it was remarkable. Yeah. It was just really remarkable. And, and it, you know, I have to add, you know, at that point I was so lost. I, 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 you know, when I saw what she was doing, I wanted to do that. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll become a linocut artist. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you've, you've tried many different things, but always, you know, trying to discover what that what that one desire was that you had to make a difference more so. Um, You know, for the listeners, just to give them a sense of you, you um, spent many years, as you said, in in, um, media and and PR, and you worked for companies like Macy's and Nine West Shoes and and the fashion industry. And at that time, um, were you struggling with this inner, um, I guess, desire to want to do something with more meaning? Um, well, that's, that's sort of an interesting question. Um, you know, I would say in my 20s, so to speak, um, I think I was just very driven. And that was a period of time, you know, let's say the 70s, where it was a big deal for a woman to be in, in, in executive positions. Yes. And so I, 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 should, I should tell your audience this, because they'll sort of get, they'll have a better understanding. I'm 5'10". And so for a 5'10 woman in her 20s to be in the fashion industry, you know, it, it, it was that greatly helped me to end up in the positions I was in. I became a spokesperson, mm-hmm. you know, and I always say it was largely because I'm 5'10. So um, I, I think at that point in time I was just more concerned about my career or, you know, let's say having a sustainable income for myself. But, but you know the the let's say the odd thing for me was that i had this background from villanova where i had professors like there was one father papin who was my religion uh, teacher who had been a priest that was in a czech prison you know and these people must have seen something in me uh and others i'm sure at the time and they just plant seeds and it's it's sort of like you know, you begin to understand you have a destiny, and or they sort of, you know, begin to let you understand you have a destiny. Yes, yes. And um, what I have ultimately come to is, um, yes, we do have a destiny. You know, yes, God has a plan for us. Yes, God has a plan for each of us, a particular plan. And we will be much happier. We will be much more fulfilled. We will be much more successful if we if we follow that plan and and so a lot of my prayer now is lord please let me know what your plan is um and and also another thing that i pray that's very helpful is please help me to get to where i need to go um and so he opens doors that no man can close and he opens doors that no man can open so you know we're living in a time now too where think where your life things can change overnight I mean, things can change radically overnight. Right, and they do. And just these very coincidental connections are how your life changes. Right. So uh, I have begun to, let's say, uh, make a real commitment to uh, following God, because when you follow God today, then you're, you're going to get where you need to go tomorrow. That's right. 
Uh, we're going to take one last quick break, Marsha. And when we come back, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about uh, your decision to get your master's in teaching. Okay. We'll be right back. You know Salt's Matkov. Would you like a legal team with over 100 years of experience working for you to defend litigation in the areas of business and contract disputes, employment, transportation and aviation, products and premises liability, intellectual property and construction? We are Salt's Matkov, and we can help. From Wall Street to Main Street, we represent Fortune 500 companies and small businesses alike, achieving successful results inside and outside of the courtroom. For a free consultation, contact us at 484-318-7225 or visit us on the web at saltsmatkov.com. That's S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-T-K-O-V.com. Large firm expertise for a fraction of the cost and with all of the personal attention you need. Serving Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. Call 484-318-7225 or go to saltsmatkov.com. Want your home to look great for company from out of town? Moving to a new place? Or just want the satisfaction of a clean, healthy home? Whatever your reason, everybody needs to clean. So why not choose the line of cleaning tools that makes your task easier? Quickie is your one-stop cleaning solution with everything you need to get the job done right. Whether you're cleaning one room or the whole house, Quickie has the right tool for the job. It doesn't matter if you prefer a more traditional mop and bucket or if you'd like to save time with a new Quickie spray mop. Quickie has everything you need to get the job done. Founded in Philadelphia over 60 years ago, Quickie's commitment to quality and value have helped it grow to the number one cleaning tool in America. It's Quickie and it's clean. Look for Quickie products at Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, ShopRite, and other fine retailers near you. It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks. And some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the mutual fund store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face-to-face, not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your mutual fund store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the mutual fund store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norriton and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330. Are you looking for a photographer? Would you be interested in one of the best in the business? Look no further. Peter Gallo has been photographing people, places, and things in the United States and Europe for over 40 years and loving it. He specializes in the best possible photography given any subject matter. His experience has taken him around the world shooting everything from conservative corporate affairs to personal portraits to fashion and the world of arts. Peter Gallo is a true professional, determined to capture every image in its best possible light, and does so with the utmost creativity and dedication. If you need help with any project, contact Peter at 215 592 
or email petergallo17 at gmail.com. To hear about this week's specials on corporate portraits and headshots, simply Google Peter Gallo Studio and you will be taken directly to his website. Or again, call 215-592-8024. Welcome back, everyone, to Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. My name is Susan Rocco, and I'm here this week with Marsha Lynn Eichenauer, who is CEO and owner of Christ Tech Mobile TV Network. And, uh, Marsha, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your decision to, to go and get your master's in teaching, um, how that came about. Sure. Um, well, um, I think that certainly everyone can understand that uh, there's, there is certainly a point in our history now that everyone sort of uh, sets as a marker in their life, and uh, that was certainly the case with me. Uh, when I came back from Eastern Europe, and actually after um, giving Washington information uh, about children in Russia, um, I worked in global banking in New York. And largely because it, with the experience that I had had, um, the executive recruiters truly were, you know, they were sort of not even quite sure where where to put me. Um, I didn't want to go back into television because I felt that television was becoming more and more violent. And uh, someone very smartly said, you know, with your global background, you need to go into global banking. And so um, I went to Goldman Sachs, and after that I went to Deutsche Bank. And I was at Deutsche Bank in investment banking and telecom and media for emerging markets when 9-11 happened, World Trade Center crisis. Mm -hmm. And so um, Deutsche Bank was actually in the Bankers Trust Building, the former Bankers Trust Building, which was directly across from World Trade Center. And uh, so I was there on that day, and uh, my whole world changed, of course. Yes. You know, it, I, uh, I was hoping with all my heart to find the solutions that I was looking for within the global banking system, and World Trade Center crisis happened. So uh, I uh, fortunately, you know, I, I just was very, very, very fortunate, and, and nothing truly nothing happened to me. I didn't even see anything, thanks be to God. And um, I got out quickly. I was living in Staten Island, so I took the Staten Island Ferry, the first and only Staten Island Ferry that got out. Mm. And uh, I had some post-traumatic stress disorder, but uh, I think more importantly, I had just a real uh, deep, deep understanding. Let's say a lot of the due diligence that I was doing, uh, you know, let's say understanding that the world was changing very quickly. And mm -hmm very dramatically, and that I had to, you know, sort of refocus uh, and figure out how I was going to get from A to C, you know, what my B was going to be, or what my backup plan was, basically. And um, so since I was so uh, radically concerned about children, primarily, uh, I thought, well, there are certain professions that I, or certain masters, I guess, I wanted to get a master's. Then at that time, I knew that that would be the best next step for me. And there were certain ones that I looked at, and, and certainly becoming a nurse would be one of them. And uh, and then I thought, you know, the closest person to a child really is a teacher. And, and that, in fact, that if I were in the classroom, I would be able to get an understanding of what was going on with children. Um, and I want to say mentally and emotionally, um, 
and I had been out of the country prior to that for almost six years, and so and I didn't have my own children, so I I thought you know this might be a very smart thing for me, um, and in fact I'll I will be able to uh, have a backup plan, but also have an understanding of the this population that I wanted to be the audience, one of the audiences that I wanted to reach, so um, I did it joyfully, and I. Um, I I have so many amazing memories, and it was pure delight. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful than working with children. And and I think even at that age, I was like 50, I think, when I went back for my master's, and so I was doing my student teaching and teaching at that time. And they equally were, were, you know, they were equally delighted because, of course, I brought my experience with me, and so... We just had an amazing time. Yeah, that, that's that's wonderful. I mean, there's nothing really better than working with children. They're just so, um, they're inspiring. Yes. And uh, I I wanted to get right into the little bit of time we have left, get right into what the work is uh, being done with the Christ Tech uh, Network, because I know that's your, your baby right now. And uh, I want to be sure that the listeners um, can find out how they can help, how they can be involved, um, and really what the purpose of it is. Sure. Um, well, I think um, uh, there's a couple of things that I think are very important to, um, let's say, bring to the marketplace. Um, and certainly the issue of violence is one of them. Um, it just it just seemed to me at the time, and I and I think that we're all getting this sense now that violence is 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 just growing and growing and growing in our culture, uh, and then uh, of course in the world today. Yes. So um, we're seeing more abuse um, in, in child abuse, I would say, uh, than than ever before. Um, and for example, uh, there was recently a study in the journal Pediatrics where it even um, it was commented on by an assistant professor of pediatrics at Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. And that study was saying that from 2000 to 2009, the rates of hospitalization for children suffering from physical abuse increased by an average of almost 1% a year, and that the admission of children for traumatic brain injury rose by 3.1% a year. Um, and that was at the same time that, they, that all cause injury rates among children had declined for, for the previous year. So, so there's something really radically wrong when that much more abuse is occurring uh, over that 10-year period. And then, in fact, they compared this to what was happening uh, as a consequence of what they call fiscal stress. They compared it to what was happening uh, in the economy and actually what was happening with the, the uh, foreclosure statistics. And so they saw that when they had this fiscal stress and when all these uh, the foreclosures were happening, that that, in fact, was, was uh, paralleling the abuse of children. Um, and so this comment by the um, professor of pediatrics at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia is, the study does not provide a clear answer of how to solve this problem. And I thought, my goodness, you know, uh, if, if, so, if, if the Philadelphia Children's Hospital, which is so professed, and so compassionate and so networked, they have such a large network, um, is at a point in their own, let's say, development or understanding that they, they don't know how to deal with this, uh, that we, in fact, really need to be looking at how to leverage technology. 
Um, and so we have this like odd thing going on where we have an increase of violence, but then on the flip side of that, we have this we have this extraordinary thing going on with with rapid breaking technology. Mm-hmm. We've we've never seen such um, I would say accessibility to information uh, occurring over such a short period of time in in the history of the planet. That's right. Um, and so and so uh, what Christ Tech Mobile TV. Um, hopes to do and plans to do is to be able to connect um, the dots, so to speak, Um, how we are hoping and planning to be able to provide services over a streaming media network and to bring those services directly to the victim and their care providers. So uh, I think that that one of the things that's, uh, that's amazing to notice that the mobile medical services global market uh, is estimated to be between eight and nine billion U.S. dollars. Um, And in fact, uh, there are so many other areas of technology that are predicted to explode in the next, say, decade um, and, and onward. And those include the internet sector, as well as the mobile sector, certainly, as well as the game sector. So we're looking at how to leverage those technologies uh, to be able to provide a financial incentive uh, to investors to be able to address these social issues. Um, And one of the areas that we're looking at um, that we know is going to explode as well and we feel will be a major part of the solution uh, is brain research. So we're looking at connecting with uh, a leading university hospital that's doing brain research to be able to bring the research over the Internet directly to victims through mobile. Um, And this is really the cutting edge of uh, biomedical research and technology now. Um, And we've been having discussions for the past year with leading technology people, leading gamers, leading brain research scientists, leading medical scientists, uh, and university people. Uh, and it's it's very gratifying, very exciting, very possible, uh, and very challenging. Right. And I'm sure that you see a lot of things that, you know, might not perhaps happen in your lifetime, but, but you know that every day what you're doing is, is making a huge difference. Well, you know, it's sort of like um, I would say I felt for a long time I was like plowing the, the fields that it was, you know, let's say very dry, very fallow ground, and I was plowing the fields. And then I felt like I was planting a lot of seeds. Um, and then I felt like I was watering those seeds um, and nurturing them. And, and, I, and I think that I had put a lot of information out there uh, among a lot of very influential people. Uh, my, one of my greatest gifts, thanks be to God, is my communication skills, but also my, my network. Uh, I'm just a firm believer that, you know, coming out of television, I always said, you know, a network is really a group of people. Right. You know, the technology facilitates that. That's right. And if you connect to the right people uh, and share your vision and each of you sort of puts your wealth, uh, your intellectual property uh, wealth into, into the pot, you know, then you're going to come up with something truly 
uh, life-changing. And, and, you know, the university sector is very savvy about how to leverage technology, and they really understand. And, and in fact, it's always pushed by the, uh, the need, and it's always pushed by people's fascination for the latest technology. So you have a lot of doctors, who, fortunately, that are in love with mobile devices. Right, right. <laughs> As are many of us. Yeah. It's so, and we all are. I yeah. mean, the numbers for mobile are just, it's just exploding. Yes. And so, as people's fascination for mobile explodes, you know, we just go, "Oh, how are we going to use that? Right. You know, how is that going to be able to address violence against women and children?" And so, when, when we have these issues, like you know, uh, you know, crescending violence. And you have, you're, you know, you, month after month, you have another horrific incident that the media, unfortunately, loves to sensationalize. Yes. We go, you know, I, I'm not so interested in, in hearing the news about that. I really want to hear about the solutions That's to that. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, we're so lucky to have someone like you, Marsha, that, that is um, trying to be a part of the solution. And um, I want to make sure we only have a moment left. I want to make sure that you give out your contact information should someone want to get in touch with you and help in any way. Sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I want to thank everybody once again. I, I, I know that you have a wonderful producer, and I really appreciate uh, I really appreciate what you're doing, and I just want to thank everybody again. Um, you know, we're in stealth mode now. Uh, and largely because all of this is so cutting edge and it's very proprietary and confidential. So we don't have a web address that is accessible. Mm-hmm. So the best way to reach me is through my email address. And my email address, I think, is very uh, easy to remember. King of Kings Network at gmail.com. That's all one word, capital K, King of Kings Network at gmail.com. Um, and I would be delighted to hear from any of your listening audience any gamers, any technology people, um, anybody at the universities, anybody at the university hospitals, and anybody within your network, you know, just would truly love to hear um, if their interest in mobile medical technology. Okay. And I will certainly be spreading the word and and staying in touch with you, Marcia. I thank you so, so much. I know how busy you you. are. Thank you. um, I will be speaking to you shortly. Okay. You have a great day. God bless you. Bye-bye. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. Again, my name is Susan Rocco, and if you'd like to get in touch with me, feel free to send an email to srocco233 at gmail. Thanks again, everyone, and have a great week.